Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Theology Central Radio, where we dig into the library, the archives of the Theology Central Podcast. We pull messages from the past, play them in the present, hopefully that you then will have some spiritual benefit in the present, and we're always hoping that it will lead to future discussions and future broadcasts where maybe we revisit what we talked about in one of those old broadcasts. I mean, uh, you know, we, if you have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of content, I mean, you got to do something with it. I have right here in front of me one, two, three, four thumb drives full of sermons, okay, and messages from the past. I think some of these go all the way back to like maybe 2002, 2005. I don't even know. I haven't even, I've only been uh, looking through one of them. So in the last hour of the Theology Central Radio, we looked at Ezekiel chapter 17, 22 through 24 from June the 28th, 2015. Well, that was the Sunday school hour we listened to in the last hour. Well, then what we did at Victory Baptist Church, the very next hour was the morning worship hour. So we returned to Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24. We also put it together with the lectionary readings for that particular day. And we kind of jumped right back in. And well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go Ezekiel chapter 17, 20 through 24, part two. Now, originally, I think I had some clever title with the word cedar, if I remember correctly, since that played a major role in what we did in the first hour. But I don't have the titles that I originally gave them because I'm pulling these from the thumb drives going way back. And I don't even think we were uploading anything to the internet at that time. I don't even remember. Uh, but, um, but we had that we were recording things. So, um, some of these things I don't think have ever even been on the internet. So maybe, maybe some of them have. I don't know. I mean, some of these, I know they're not there anymore. So, um, well, we're, we're just, we're pulling and we're going to utilize them and hopefully this will benefit someone. So I hope you're ready. Let's go back to the sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, June the 28th, 2015. The more I hear my voice, I know I was, I can tell that I was struggling. I, I mean, you may not be able to tell, but I can tell. I mean, obviously, you know, when you sound sick and I know, you know, obviously with my seizures, seizure disorder, there's plenty of times I'm standing behind the pulpit and it's, you know, I had a seizure at you know, three in the morning, four in the morning. Five. I mean, I've left the emergency room to go to the pulpit. So um, that always scares me because I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what I was saying. I wonder what I was saying. Um, I do know in this hour, I do know this. The one thing that never has never changed about me is my love of professional wrestling. And on the June 28th, 2015, hour two message, I think I make some, I use some illustration from professional wrestling. If I, if I remember correctly, I think I did. And look, that, that's not much of, that's not much. I mean, I do that all the time. So there we go. Maybe back then I did it more so. Who knows? All right. But here we go. Let's go back to this. This is about 45 minutes in length. So I got to make sure I get back up here in time because it'll be over and you'll be like, what, what happened to the, the, that host of uh, Theology Central Radio? Where, where is the host? I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'll be. Okay, but hopefully I will remember. Here we go. All right. Uh, if you have your lectionary, let's go there. For those who are in Sunday school, you already know where we are. 
All right, page 170 in the lectionary, if you don't know where to turn. We're get, we needed to look at all the readings for today, but that's not going to happen due to the fact that we're not even going to finish the uh, first readings. Um, man, I use anything for a bookmark, it appears. This is the uh, card for how to replace the needle to my turntable. I'm like, how did this get... I've been looking for that. No. Yeah, I always, like, everything shows up. All right, Ezekiel chapter 17, 22 to 24 is the first reading for today. We're in the 11th Sunday of the year. Some traditions call today the Feast of the Sacred Heart, but we are going with the, we're following the liturgy of the hours today and going it with being the 11th Sunday of the year. Ezekiel 17, 22 to 24 is the first reading. I'm going to read it. We are not, there's no way we're going to even have the ability today to look at all the readings. We may try to finish those up tonight uh, because the first reading has provided so many uh, challenges, but we'll do what we can. Ezekiel 17, 22 to 24, reading from the uh, book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus saith the Lord God, I too will take from the crest of the cedar, from its topmost branches, tear off a tender shoot, and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel I will plant it. It shall put forth branches and bear fruit, and become a majestic cedar. Birds of every kind shall dwell beneath it, every winged thing in the shade of its boughs, and all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, bring low the high tree, Lift high the lowly tree, wither up the green tree, and make the withered tree bloom. As I, the Lord, have spoken, so will I do. This is the word of the Lord. All right, now when we looked at it this morning during Sunday school, first thing I had everyone do was write down some observations. We, there were two major observations from this text that I wanted everyone to see. Does anybody remember what they were? It's allegorical. All right? Anytime you have allegorical language, that should give you pause. That should put, put a little, scare you a little bit. And why? You, it can have 87 billion different interpretations. Um, you've got to be careful to try to figure out exactly what the allegorical is about, uh, the allegory is about, because you can make the allegory pretty much say anything. Everybody got that? All right. Number two, what was the next observation? It's prophetical, okay? It's prophecy. Now, when it's prophecy, what do we need to look for? Has it been fulfilled? If it's future. And if it's future, what's the signs of it? You need to know, okay, if this is a guarantee, then... Has it happened, or is it something to look for? And then what do I look forward to? So when it, you know, prophecy, just think of prophecy almost kind of like a, a, a guarantee, but the guarantee may, there may be conditions to the guarantee. There could be lots of things uh, to it. The, the best way, well, I'll use this illustration just to make sure you get it, okay? Not that this illustration is going to mean anything to anyone, but tonight, in the wrestling world, tonight is the money in the bank pay-per-view. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. But for wrestling fans, it's a big deal. You take a briefcase. You put the briefcase high above the ring. You get six people. And the goal is you have to get to the top of a ladder, okay, and pull the briefcase down. All right? 
This leads to all kinds of wonderful uh, violence and people getting thrown off top of ladders, through ladders, off the ring, and it leads to just some great fun and violence. The goal is to get the briefcase because inside the briefcase is what? A guarantee, no money. A guarantee that you can take this briefcase and at any time for the next 12 months, you can cash it in for an opportunity to fight for the world championship belt. But here's the thing you can do. At any point, let's say Seth's the champion. Seth's fighting Bobby. That'd be fun to watch, right? And Seth's laying in the ring, bloody, beaten, and half dead. At any point, the person with the briefcase can run up and say, now, now, cash it in, and then just jumped on top of Seth, one, two, three, and he wins the belt. Seth could be walking backstage, okay? As long as you've got a referee with you, you can crack him in the back of the head, jump on top of him, one, two, three, and you can win the belt. So for 12 months, whoever has that briefcase has a guarantee, and 90 9% of the time, whoever has the briefcase is going to become champion in some way, shape, or form. The key is for the next 12 months, keep watching to see how it's going to take place because it always happens in some strange way. And Vince, the person in charge of the WWE, he wants people to be in character that wherever they go, they have to carry the briefcase with them. Like if they're in an airport, they have to have... The re- if they go out to eat, they have to have the... They have to, they have to live with the briefcase because they want them to be in character. But anytime any fans see them, it's a reminder that this is a guarantee. This is a guarantee. Well, prophecy in, in the Bible is a guarantee. And just like for that guarantee, you're looking for the briefcase. You're looking for the scriptural briefcases to say, oh, there it is. Oh, it's, it could happen at any time. Or wait. They cashed in that briefcase last, last month, so I don't have to worry about it for the next year until the next time Money in the Bank pay-per-view occurs, okay? So it's the same concept. So we're trying to figure out what is this prophecy? Who's it to? Has it happened? Is it going to happen? What are we looking for? And trust me, the interpretations, are there are a lot of them out there, and we're trying to figure it out. So what did we do in Sunday school? We spent an hour looking at the word cedar, right? Because note, I too will take from the crest of the cedar, from its topmost branches, tear off a tender shoot. This cedar, he's going to tear something off and plant it, and then it's something majestic is going to grow from it, correct? So what is this cedar that this thing's going to be tore off of? We need to figure this out, right? It's... Again, using the silly illustration, it's going to the top and pulling the briefcase down. Well, here you're going to the top of the cedar and tearing a part of it off. And then once it's planted, it could turn into something. Correct? Well, we started looking at the word cedar. We spent an hour doing that. And what did we find? How is the cedar? What's the most important ways that the term cedar is used? What was the first major way? Well, well, let's go with that first. It's used in parabolic language a lot. All right, so that was the first thing we noted. In allegorical language, cedar shows up a lot. Two, it showed up in Leviticus as being a part of cleansing someone with a skin disease. So for ceremonial cleansing, 
spiritual cleansing, which we know sometimes in Leviticus people will uh, take the cedar and point towards the cross. All right? Next, what's the next major way it's used? Well, we'll we'll connect it with really three things. David, or David, the house of David, and the temple. Over and over and over and over again. That was the, the, that was the primary way it was used if we want to look at a large number of, of things that would be relatable. Now, it's also used to describe great power and judgment because if the cedars get tore down, that was considered a significant thing, but clearly connected with David and that type of thing. Then that took us to Ezekiel 17, if you have a Bible, to verse 2 which gets us to the closest context to our text. And say, thus saith the Lord God, a great eagle with great wings, right? Full of feathers, which he, which had diverse colors, came unto Lebanon and took the highest branch of the cedar. Now this gets us very close to the language used in verse 22. So now we're getting somewhere. So now we're going to go through a quick history lesson, and I'm going to remind you of some things in greater detail than we talked about. So let's a couple of things to remember. All right. First of all, this chapter, chapter 17, some date it to around 588 B.C. To around 588 B.C. Why is that significant? That's about... I'm sorry? 588 B.C. She's looking in the book of Sarah. 588 B.C. This is about two years before the destruction of Jerusalem. Right. Okay. So, 588. So, it's two years before the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, we're putting it in a historical context. Correct? The great eagle in verse 3, 17.3. You see the great eagle? That great eagle is going to do what? The highest branch of the cedar. He's going to crop off the top of, of it. His young uh, twigs carry it into a land of traffic, set it into a city of merchants. Everybody see that in verse, uh, uh, is it two and three? Yeah, two and, or three and four. All right. The great eagle here, I think you should have already figured it out. The king of Babylon. King of Babylon. The cedar. The cedar that he's going to chop off is what? Probably the kingdom of Judah. Probably Judah would be the best way because who goes into Babylonian captivity? Judah. Okay? All right. And Judah, what's significant with Judah? Line of David. That's the key I want us to remember, which goes back to the use of the cedars multiple times. So far, so good? Everybody say amen? All right. The topmost, you see the young twig in verse 4? He cropped off the top. His young twigs, see that? Carried it into a land of traffic. Most think that this is Jehoiakim, the king which was exiled in 597 B.C. All right, so far so good. What happens in verse 5 and 6? He took also the seed of the land, planted it. Everybody see that? The seed, those whom Babylon left behind in Judah, who could prosper as a tributary to the conqueror. 
They left some behind, but they had to basically pay tribute and, you know, were under tribute to the king of Babylon. All right, but they were left behind. Everybody got that? Okay. Now, I'm just trying to walk you through because we need to get to our text. So I'm, I'm making this as quick as possible. But I think I did a pretty good job getting us already to this point. What happens in verse 6? A spreading vine. Everybody see that? All right. Most believe this refers to Zedekiah. The youngest son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar appointed king in Judah. Now, who appointed him? Nebuchadnezzar. Because why? They're under tribute. They're under Babylonian control. All right. Uh, the benevolent attitude of Nebuchadnezzar helped Zedekiah to prosper, and if he had remained faithful to his pledge to Nebuchadnezzar, Judah would have continued as a tributary kingdom. Instead, he began to do what? He began to seek help from someone else. And who is that someone else? Egypt. He seeks help. He turns to Egypt. And why did he turn to Egypt? To help him do what? To revolt against Babylon. All right. Verse 9 and 10. Talks about prospering and withering. Everybody see that? Zedekiah's tre treachery would not prosper. The king was captured in the plains of Jericho. I think you can read about that in Jeremiah, I believe. Uh, the, the dependence on Egypt would fail and Judah would wither as the east wind, which would be a picture of Babylon coming from the east. Right? Now, 11 to 21, what happens here? Put him under oath, right? The parable now is explained in detail, all right? Um, um, Babylon made Zedekiah a, a, basically a, a subject to her, took captives, and left Judah weak. Zedekiah broke the agreement in which he swore by the Lord to submit to Babylon, but sought, to, uh, but sought Egypt's help. Thus he was taken to Babylon to live out his life. Egypt was to be no help to him or a protector of his army. All right. That leads us right to our text, does it not? Now, if you're watching all of this from a, like if you're watching, you know, CNN News back in the day, okay, and you're like, man, there goes Josiah, there goes Zedekiah, man, there, man, Egypt can't help. This is bad situation. This is just not good. You're going to be questioning what? The not you're going to be questioning the covenant. Very good. Remember, this is all covenant language. And you may be thinking, wait, they didn't fulfill parts of the covenant. They broke parts of the covenant. So is the covenant still valid? What's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, you on, on CNN, you see some guy who says, God spoke to me. Okay. In this case, he did. All right. Because there's no completed scripture. Correct. And he gives him a revelation, right? Verse 22. Thus saith the Lord God, I will also take of the highest branch of the high cedar. Now, let's stop. Okay. Well, just like Babylon did, I'm going to do. 
right? He's going to take from what? From Judah, right? He's going to take from Judah, is he not? Would that not be... If, if in 17.1, well, first of all, throughout all the references, cedar is connected to David in, the, in his house and the temple, clearly we're... And in the kingdom, clearly we're on the right track. 17.2 uses it the exact same way, correct? Babylon's doing it. Now God's going to do it. Now this is, this is, an, awesome, this is an awesome way to look at it. Babylon, pagan, evil, ungodly, false worshipers, the method that they used, now God is going to employ, in a sense, the same method. He's going to take from Judah. And he's going to do what? Verse 22. Okay. I will crop off from the top of his young twigs. Does that not sound like verse 2? It's the exact same language. A, his young twig, a tender one, and will plant it upon a high mountain and imminent. All right? Now, stop here. We have to ask ourselves some important questions. What's, what do we need to figure out at this point? Who is the young one? Right? Who is this young one? Because we know um, in 17.2, they, def- they identify that young one as what? Or verse 4. Jehoiakim, right? Remember I said some identify that being Jehoiakim? Okay, all right. So here, that means this one would have to possibly refer to someone, correct? So now we have to look historically. We try to look historically. Could we try to find this being fulfilled historically? That's something we'll have to look at. There's going to be maybe those who would argue yes, we argue no. But if we're going to try to use some cross-referencing... What, what passage of Scripture could this possibly be alluding to? Now, we, we could spend a lot of time, I could look it up in a Strong's Concordance, but we don't want to spend a whole hour doing that. What would we look up, though, if we're trying to do cross-referencing here? No, if we're doing cross-referencing. Well, I would go, I'm going to go Old Testament here, Old Testament. Okay, why would you go Isaiah 11? Okay, we'll go to Isaiah 11. Yes, that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do cross-reference from it. We've got to figure out what we're, we're trying to find. And I think Isaiah 11 is probably our best bet. Or at least the first one that comes to mind. All right, now y'all ready? Thinking caps on, and y'all going to have to do some work here. All right, everybody ready? All right. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall make him a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge. Now, what do we have here that connects us back to Ezekiel? What, what's the similar, similar language? 
Okay, so everyone, would everyone see there's some similar language there? Okay, so... Um, okay, exactly. Now, would there be any other cross-references to Isaiah 11? Well, what 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 would we really what would be really helpful for the Isaiah passage? What chronic cross reference do you need for the Isaiah passage would be of the utmost help? You need a New Testament. Because who do we have to identify? And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Don't we need to figure out who that is and what that's referring to? Because the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Two identifies it being what? A person. Does it not? So if we can figure out the person, then we may be able to identify the person that could be possibly being mentioned in Ezekiel. This is critical because some want to take Ezekiel and say that's the church. I don't know. Do you tell me? Y'all all have Bibles. See who can find it. I could give you answers, but I'm trying to have you figure this out. Okay, well, that would be... uh, Okay, where's that? Matthew 1. Okay, so write that down. Matthew 1 shows that Jesus comes from, from the line of Jesse. That's at least help. That's good. That's a good way of thinking. Matthew 1. Well, do we have anything else? You have Acts down? Okay, with Jesse. Okay. You're all trying hard. I think what I think you're going to may discover something you don't want to discover, but that's okay. <laughs> you may, because see, how many times everyone's read uh, Isaiah eleven one? You've heard sermons, right? And then the pastor told you that's Jesus, and you all said, "I'm not saying it's not," but what I'm saying is. Do you have a clear reference? Okay. But it's not a quote from Isaiah, is it not? Okay. Not a quote. Now you got something you got some some things that you may be able to, to correlate in Isaiah. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. When Jesus goes into the uh, synagogue to read from the scriptures, I don't think he he reads directly from this passage, but I think he does read something about the Spirit of the Lord being upon him. All right, well, because of time, then this is what we'll do. All right? So, write this down on your paper. All right? Because we don't have time to do it, and I'm not going to give you any answers. Isaiah 11.1 this is what you want to write down. You have always been told it's Jesus. What New Testament verse 100% confirms that claim? Revelation 5.5? 5, 5. Well, 
Well, hang on. Let's go one at a time. Revelation 5.5. 5. And one of the elders saith unto, uh, unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. All right. Okay. You're getting closer. Romans 15.12. Romans 15, 12. <laughs> Romans, <laughs> you're trying. Romans 15.12. All right. We're getting somewhere. Oh, now this gets a little closer, maybe. At least it has the, some of the language. I don't know if it would help us 100%. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall ra- uh, rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. Now, we would that's a, almost a direct correlation from Isaiah 11. Who is that referring to? Does the text tell us? Right? And that of the Gentiles, he rejoiced unto the Gentiles. Is not verse 12 kind of showing that Jesus is going to fulfill that? There we go. So, write down Romans 15, 12 as maybe your best bet to clearly identify Isaiah 11, 1 referring to Jesus. That may be your best bet. You could do what Sarah was doing and kind of follow a logical conclusion. Matthew 1 shows in he was from Jesse. Uh, Revelation 5, Acts makes the same claim. So you can at least, we could be pretty sure of it, but you always want to have evidence of it. You want to be positive of it. All right? It, see, what happens is we just assume certain things, and, and it's fine until you get challenged. All right? Genesis is going to be uh, spending some time with a Jehovah's Witness pretty soon. Okay, well, guess what? That Jehovah's Witness is going to challenge everything she's ever heard, everything she's ever thought. When she says that verse, oh, that's Jesus, they're going to say, according to who? Well, you've got to have more than, well, I heard it at Christmas. She's going to have to know verses. She's got to be able to back it up. Well, that's the same way. We have to be always thinking that critical. Whenever you heard someone say Isaiah 11 was about Jesus, your first thought should have been based on what? All right? So we're getting, we're getting kind of where we need to go. Now I'll go back to Ezekiel. Chapter 17. So let's follow this through. 1722, thus saith the Lord God, I will also take of the highest branch of the high cedar. I don't think anyone can debate, that's clearly referring to Judah. That's clearly referring to the Davidic kingdom. That's referring to, you've got to put it there. I don't know how you get to church from this. I don't know where in the world that comes from. That's some bad, that's probably Reformed theology because they got to make everything to church, okay? But clearly this is Davidic. Would everyone agree? Judah. Right, And I will set it, I will crop off from the top of his young twig a tender one and will plant it upon a high mountain and imminent. Right? Now, my Bible has Isaiah 11.1 1 right here. But that doesn't mean anything. But we went and worked through Isaiah 11.1. 1. Oh, that's the one I was hoping someone was going to quote. I think that one's even better. I think. Make sure. 
Oh, did you? If you did, I didn't hear you. Oh, right. At that point, I was wanting a New Testament. Okay. Um, who, uh, who hath believed our report, and to whom the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of dry ground, and he hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, of course, what, what would we have to do with that verse? We'd have to see if we have a New Testament reference that clearly links that back to Jesus, but... Now what do we have to build our case? We have Isaiah 11.1, 1, which we can draw a conclusion to Jesus. This is borrowing from the same language, so now we can start making a case for it. Now we could spend some time to see if Isaiah 53.2 is quoted in the New Testament, but we won't do that as of right now. All right, But that, that one is a very good one as well because it uses the same concept. So back to Ezekiel. Good thinking. Very good. Now let's put this together and let's try to draw some conclusions because we're going to run out of time. All right. So we see, we have the historical context, right? Babylon came and ripped off part of the cedar. Okay, took them into captivity. Zedekiah didn't follow the agreement that he had made. He even made that vow with God, which as you read, when you read it, the rest of Ezekiel, God gets upset because even though he made a vow with God to kind of follow the Babylonians, which you could say, well, he probably shouldn't have done that. God's still going to hold him to it. He doesn't follow through, so now you're going to be punished. Babylon comes and do so. But, even though because of all of the king's unfaithfulness, even because of their ungodliness, even because of everything they do, God steps up and says, okay, you messed everything up you can mess up. I'm going to do something. I'm going to, from, the, from this high cedar... I'm going to crop up from the top of his young uh, twigs, a tender one, and will plant it upon a high mountain and eminent. In the mountain of the height of Israel will I plant it, and it shall bring forth bows and bear fruit and be a goodly cedar, and under it shall dwell all fowl of every wing, and the shadow of the branches thereof shall they dwell. All right. Now, what can we... Could we try to find a historical fulfillment for that? Because immediately we want to plant that thing planted, we want to say that's going to be Jesus, right? Is that true? Everybody with me? Okay. We're going to say that's Jesus, and he's going to be the one that is planted because that seems to follow with the Isaiah language. However, let's play devil's advocate. Could we argue there's a historical fulfillment with this? That would not apply to Jesus. No commentator would even entertain this thought, but we have to be. Right. Well, we know ultimately what happens. They come out of the Babylonian captivity, right? Aren't there leaders who, in a sense, plant this back again? The temple is rebuilt, right? So we could try to place it to one of those leaders, could we not? If we do it historically, could we, could we say it's... Because obviously that's what a Jew is going to do. Yeah. Jews aren't going to say, oh, that's Jesus, because they don't believe, they believe he's an illegitimate liar. Okay, so they're not, they're going to look for a historical fulfillment. So if we were to read Jewish commentators, they're going to point to somebody that came out of the Babylonian captivity, brought them back, and then did all of that. But go back and read the Ezekiel language. Would that completely work? 
Why not? Well, first we'd have to ask whether they're the Davidic line. That's a great point. Second, well, whatever whatever he planted, it clearly didn't. It didn't last long because by by the time Jesus comes along, they're already under Roman uh, control. They already have all kinds of problems leading up to that. Well, in fact, we could go back from the time the temple is rebuilt. How fast do they fall right back into captivity? And did they ever historically even come close to, to? I would say no. I would say no. All right. But just note that if you're talking to a Jew and you're like, that's Jesus, they're going to be like, and you smoke crack. Okay. Because it, no, they probably won't say that. But you get the idea. All right. So what's going to take place? Jesus is going to plant, or Jesus is, it, it, would you not say that's going to be Jesus? It's referring to a person, does it seem not? Uh, others want to say it's an organization. That this is referred to the church. From Jesus comes forth what? Well, we have the church, yes. Okay. But the earthly church, the visible church, is made up of all kinds of mess. Um, we could call this the uh, his kingdom that's going to flow from it. His spiritual kingdom. We could get into an earthly kingdom if we wanted, but clearly the kingdom of God. All right? So let's go through and let's see everything that takes place. He's going to plant it. It's going to do what? Let's go through everything that's going to take place. Verse Starting in verse 23. In the mountain of the, of the height of Israel will I plant it, and it shall bring forth branches, bear fruit. It shall be a goodly cedar and under it shall dwell all fowl of every wing and the shadow of the branches thereof shall they dwell now that's using very allegorical language but what is it demonstrating from the thing that grows up everything's going to come to it for nourishment protection shade all right now, what New Testament passage would draw, immediately draw this as a correlation to? I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do. You got to come to me for nourishment. Verse 24, And all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, have brought down the high tree and have exalted the low tree, have dried up the green tree, and have made dry tree to flourish. That sounds very much like the Isaiah 53 passage. Okay. I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. All right. Now, there's a lot I could read. I can pull out some commentaries right now. We can start reading some commentaries and we can come up with all the different uh, concepts. Uh, I'll just give you, um, I want to at least give you some idea what some people have to say. Um, MacArthur says this, the, this messianic prophecy states that God will provide the Messiah from the royal line of David, the high cedar, and establish him in his kingdom like a mountain. He will be a high branch reigning at the height of success. Branch is a name for Messiah. And they give a number of scriptures. And I think we could prove that if we wanted to look at cross-references. Yeah, Messiah will be a tender one growing into a majestic cedar. Under his kingdom rule, all nations will be blessed and Israel restored. 
Now that gets into some dispensational ideas, but we won't get into that right now. Made the dry tree uh, flourish. Uh, the Messiah would grow out of the dry tree left after Judah's humbling judgment. Judah's remnant from which he came, and yet he would prosper. All right? Then it goes on to say one of the found. Uh, well, no, that's that's goes on to something completely different. I don't want to get into. So clearly, then let's stop. First, we've identified now this promise. It's a prophetic promise of whom? Jesus. Correct? And that Jesus is going to be planted, and from him is where there's going to be blessing, where there's going to be protection, where there's going to be shade, and that's where we should turn. Okay? But there's another important principle that we should probably clearly focus on from this text. There's a very practical concept here. Or probably two more. So let's go with number one. Clearly this is a prophecy of Jesus and it shows us it gives Jesus a different picture than sometimes we, we think of. We think of him obviously as dying on the cross but here almost as a majestic cedar tree that we would come to for shade, for comfort, for fruit, and that there's great blessings found in him. All right, So we, can, we definitely need to meditate and focus on that. But there's two other principles that just screams out from this text. Okay? In what way? It's all, it's all from, from the chapter 17, verse 1 to the end, I cannot stress this. Even though the king of Babylon tears something off, plants it, and does something, who ultimately steps in and controls everything from the finish to its end? It's God. And what does it say at the end of chapter 17? Spoken? And have done it. Okay, it's, I, I, it's almost in past tense, and some 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 may change the tense, but it's it. But no, but go before it, verse twenty-four. And all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, have brought down the high tree. What would be the high tree that He brings down? Babylon, gone. Interesting enough, Babylon's going to be mentioned in Revelation. Okay, as always a the system of evil system that and but it shows us God can bring it down. He's brought down the high tree, exalted the low tree. So you have the kingdom of Babylon which looks majestic, powerful, indestructible. He brings down Judah at this point is not I mean, there's nothing left. I mean, to the point of like, okay, kings are dead, you're like and now you got kings who've rebelled. What's left? And you're going to take from Judah, lowly, defeated, the north is gone, the south is you know, laid to waste, and in fact, at the lowest point you could get, okay, they, they've gone through, the north has never come back. Now, uh, when you come to the time of Jesus being born in the manger, that little baby Nobody's like, oh, we're looking for the king of Judah because the king of Judah, Judah's not a threat to anyone other than one worldly king who's paranoid. <laughs> he just hears the word king. He doesn't care where from. But outside of that, it's not like Israel's like, 
We're waiting for our... They're, it's, they're under Rome. It looks like the end. So the mighty's brought down and he take the lowest thing possible, a baby, right? And then what, what does it say next? Bring down, exalted, and then dried up the green, flourish. That is clearly the power of God. That is the power of God. But note, God's power does not operate how we think it should, when we think it should, the way we think it should. It seems to be at his own discretion, does it not? Because if you read the whole story, I mean, I mean, again, from a human perspective, it makes absolutely no sense, does it? Okay, well, if all this is going to happen, why even go through Israel and kings? Why even go through this whole mess? And, and then they go into captivity. What's the point of the captivity? Didn't teach them anything, right? What's the whole? But God has a, 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 why did all of it happen the way it did? To show God. Not about us. I know I, 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 the world hates that concept. I know the world does. Uh, it makes them very angry. But like it or not, and, and this is not comforting. This doesn't make, uh, this is not what you're going to hear in most churches. But like it or not, we're kind of pawns on a big chessboard. Oh, Captivity. Oh, now come out of captivity. Eh, how about this? Oh, but it's not like he's just making it up. It's already been planned and detailed. But it shows God's the one in charge. God's the one that, that has the power to bring up, to bring down, to lift up, to bring down. And he may lift us up, he may bring us down, but it's all ultimately for his purpose and his glory. All right, everybody see that? So, first we see Jesus in a different way as being a great theater where we would come to for shade and comfort and fruit. We also see the sovereignty of God clearly without any fail that God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it. Is there anything else that you would see here? You can just put this down. Well, I think one of the things we may want to put down is the idea of fruitfulness. Whatever is connected with God, whatever God is connected with in a positive way, it's going to become fruitful. It's going to grow. It's going to expand. And that becomes the subject of all the readings. All the readings are going to go with that, but we don't have time to get into all of them. If you haven't done the readings today, read Psalm 92, 2 Corinthians 5. You may be like, where did this come from? Okay. The lectionary, page 170. Okay. And then uh, read Mark chapter 4. You're going to see the idea of fruitfulness and growth as a common theme. But we cannot focus on the common theme until we see how it all plays itself out. 
Right, but the main thing we want to get from today is that God has planted, in a sense, Jesus to grow into this thing, and that's where we have to turn to for strength, for shade, for fruitfulness, for everything. It comes back to him. But we see his sovereignty being played out, and sometimes it's played out in a way that makes no sense to us. No sense to us how it's played out, what he's doing, why it's doing it this way. You read Ezekiel 17, you're like, why even go through all of that? Why? Couldn't he have skipped all of it? Could have skipped it all. I mean, that's a whole lot of years in detail that he could have just said, well, we, we could, but he did not because his purpose, his plan, his way. All right, we'll have to stop there. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Lord, we have lots to yet to, un, to discover and to try to figure out, but I pray that now we understand this passage in Ezekiel 17 maybe better than we did when we arrived. We've looked at some other passages and trying to make sure that we interpret them correctly. Lord, continue to give us that hunger and that desire. And we just thank you for uh, the fact that you did uh, plant the Messiah to grow into something where we find salvation, comfort, protection, and and our, our strength. And let us be thankful for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, And we are back. Theology Central Radio or we're pulling messages from the past, playing them in the present to spark a new conversation, maybe even a new study moving into the future. And hopefully you are benefiting from these messages. What you just heard was Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24, part two from June the 28th, 2015. June the 28th, 2015. The Sunday school hour was Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24. We played that the last hour and we uploaded it. And then right there was the Sunday morning service, Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24, part two. Originally, I think I gave them different names, but well, that's the name I'm going with tonight because these files are on a uh, jump drive, a thumb drive. And uh, well, I don't, I don't have the titles. I don't have the, I don't remember. I don't remember what I called them back then. So we're just going to call them Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24, part one and part two. And hopefully you found that to be somewhat interesting. I know that was a, maybe a little tedious working through all of that and trying to put it all together, but hopefully you'll give it uh, some thought and some meditation and hopefully you found it to be useful. If you have any questions, thoughts, observations, or anything, you can email me at news. If at yahoo.com. That's news. If at yahoo.com. News. If at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Theology Central Radio. God bless.